to make no sense. And in verse 9 through 15, we've already read a couple of those verses, but we see that Jeremiah buys this field with the help, and he completes this entire legal transaction. You know, why would Jeremiah do this? It's a perplexing situation when you think about it. Why would he buy a field in enemy territory when he is in prison and he's not really going to see much profit from this field? Why would God even ask him to do such a thing? Now, I want you to continue reading in verse number 14. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, the, this evidence of the purchase, both which is um, sealed and the evidence which is open, and put them in the earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So what God was telling him that there's going to come a day when all of this land is going to be yours again. Again, at this present time, doesn't make much sense to Jeremiah because he's in the middle of a war-torn territory. Verse number 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase from Beirut, the son of Neriah, I want you to notice the next couple words. What does it say? The next two words. I prayed. What do you do when you really need to trust God in a big way? It's really simple. You should pray. And that's, that's what we see kind of going forward and really kind of getting to the, the meat of the message this morning. Jeremiah is in a predicament. He's in a situation that he doesn't understand, doesn't make sense to him. God is asking him to do something that it seems completely off the wall. Why would God even want me to do something like this? But what Jeremiah does is what many of us should do and many of us have done. When things don't make sense, he prays. I prayed unto the Lord, saying, and here's the important part. Here's what we see in this prayer. You see, this prayer is a prayer of bewilderment, but it's a prayer of praise and hope. <clears throat> in starting new and in, in resetting, sometimes what we need to do is reset our prayers. Because sometimes we pray for God to work things out the way that we think should be worked out. I mean, you think about even right now in our country. God, you need to do exactly what I say. We kind of put demands on God. You ever done that? Yes, you have, because I've done it. Now, you might not necessarily, right, here's my list. You meet my demands, God. But we do that sometimes the way we pray. But really, is that how we should pray to the God of heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, with our list of demands? Here's my demands. You meet these or else. No, that's not how we should pray. But a lot of times, that's exactly how we do pray. God, if you don't meet exactly my list of demands, my list of prayers, then obviously you're not in charge, you're not in control, you don't care about my life. That's what we think sometimes. That's what I thought. But what we see from Jeremiah is that as he's praying, he's not saying, God, you have to show me right now why I'm doing what I'm doing. You have to show me right at this very moment why this turmoil is going on in my country that doesn't make sense. Now, some of us might have been praying those very prayers even this week. God, what are you doing? Have you lost control of the world? Well, he hasn't. But here's the point. I don't see this from Jeremiah. I don't see Jeremiah praying with a list of demands to God. Look at verse number 17. 
Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth. By thy great power and stretched out arm. And I love this phrase. There is nothing too hard for thee. I mean, if you're in the habit of circling or underlining or highlighting, this is a verse that should be circled, highlighted, underlined in your Bible. Notice what Jeremiah is praying. The backdrop is supreme evil in his country, in his land. God is asking him to do something that makes absolutely no sense. And as Jeremiah listens, he obeys, he follows God, he starts to pray. The first thing he's praying is saying, God, you made heaven, you made earth. There's nothing too hard for you. So what he's saying is that, God, I, I, I trust that you are in control. I trust that you do have a purpose through this chaos. And I want you to write this down. This is kind of the, the crux of the message this morning. True prayer begins with worship and focuses on the greatness of God. True faith begin, or true prayer begins with worship and focuses on the greatness of God. This is how Jeremiah starts off his prayer, and that's what we're going to see in the next couple of verses this morning. He's not giving God his list of demands. You see, many times we pray to God like we actually know him, but sadly, many times we pray to the God the way that we want him to be. We try to change God into our image, our likeness, instead of praying to the one who never changes and needs no change. And the purpose behind this reset series for us starting off is really to try to lead us back to worship. You know, I love the song that Amanda sang, and she's really been kind of singing it all week, and it's just kind of been resonating in my mind all week. Man, that should be the purpose of our life. Man, Christ be magnified. No matter the chaos, no matter the turmoil, no matter the situation, Lord, help me to magnify you in a greater way, to make you bigger. And what we see in verses 16 through 17 is very simple, that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. As was often the case with Jeremiah, a testing experience of doubt followed a triumphant experience of faith. Now, I think it's very important for us to be open with God, to be honest with God. But as Jeremiah considers the work of God's hand, as he considers his majesty, his power, and glory, he then understands something. That God, there is nothing that is too difficult for you. No matter what is going on around me, in my country, in my situation, in my present life, there is nothing too difficult for you. Now think about what's impossible for us. The list is endless, right? There's a lot of things that are impossible for us. It is impossible for Marcus to just magically grow hair on his head. You can do it on the beard, but it's impossible for me to fully grow a beard. Uh, there's a lot of things that are impossible for us. But now come up with a list of things that are impossible for God. There's nothing. You see, in our own mindset, in our own strength, we think that we have all this power. We're in control, so you know what? I can do anything. I can do everything. So we leave God out of the equation. But Jeremiah realized something that, you know what? I can't do anything on my own. Without him, I am nothing. 
I need him in every area of my life. And God, I am understanding that there is nothing too hard for you. It goes back to the messages and the searching for Christmas. That The fact that, you know what, there are a lot of inadequacies that we have in our life. A lot of insufficiencies. But as we looked at in one of those messages, that we have a God who is the great I am, which means he is all that we are not. Everything that we lack, he is. And so much greater. I am his. My struggles are his. My future is his. My reputation is his. My needs are his. Everything is his. So think about the things that are worrying you right now. Think about those things right now. What are you worried about? Because all of those things fall into the category of nothing being too hard for God. All of those things. Well, I'm worried about money. Do you have a God that owns everything that can take care of you? Well, I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about, you know, these elections. I'm worried about this. Do you have a God that nothing is too hard for? Or do you have a God that you serve that everything is too hard for? We have a God that we serve that nothing is too hard for him. Listen, for all that I need, for all that I lack, for all that I can never be in myself, Jesus is the great I am. And here's a great truth. What is something for me is nothing for God. There's a lot of things in my life that are something for me, which means they are big deals. Because I can't do it on my own. Or it's overwhelming, or it's making me anxious, and making me worry, and making me stress. But all of those things fall in the category that it's not too difficult for God. And that's the first thing that Jeremiah realized. That God, I don't understand why you're asking me to do what you're asking me to do. I don't understand why I'm in prison. I don't understand why turmoil and chaos and unrest is going on in my country. Sound familiar? I don't understand this, Lord. But you know what? There is nothing too hard for you. Maybe that's what some of us need to do instead of just always posting on Facebook and social media all the things that we don't like. Maybe we should start with saying, God, there's nothing too hard for you and just leave it at that. But no, no, no. We like to get in control and we like to post our two cents which really don't make anything at all. We can't change anything. But we serve a God that can change anything and everything if he wants and if he allows and we have to understand, as Jeremiah did, that there is nothing, nothing, nothing. Why don't you say that with me? There is nothing too hard for God. Like, say it again like you actually mean it. There is nothing too hard for God. Very good. Remember that this year. No matter what happens in 2021. You know, I saw a funny meme the other day. You know, it was like 2020 versus 2021. Someone jumping out the window onto a trampoline into the fire. You know, that's 2021. Whatever happens in 2021, it doesn't matter because there's nothing too hard for God. Whether this is a worse year than 2020 or not, nothing is too hard for God. The second thing we see is this. As Jeremiah's prayer continues, look at verse number 18. He says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompenses the iniquity of their fathers in the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, which we already kind of preached about a couple weeks ago, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel, <coughs> excuse me, uh, where am I at? Uh, great in counsel and mighty to works, 
For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. What Jeremiah is really seeing here is this, that God is faithful and just. God is faithful and just. He is just, and really sin has consequences. But God is faithful. Basically, it's understanding that, you know what, God, I've seen you work in the past. I know you're going to work in the present. I know you're going to work in the future. Jeremiah established God's power to do all things by talking about his power over creation. That he is the God of grace, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of provision. And as he continues on, look what Jeremiah talks about. Verse number 20. You're the God which set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel and among other men, and has made thee a name at this day, and has brought forth thy people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So he's just remembering what God has done, and he's reminding God of what he has done. God, you're the God that, that brought your people out of Israel. So sometimes we have to remind God what he already knows, but it's really more reminding ourselves. God, you've worked in the past. I know you're going to work in the present. You're going to work in the future. So help me to remember this. Verse 22, and has given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers. You've already promised a land, so we're going to get the land back. So help me to remember that. A land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not the voice, neither walked in the law. They have done nothing of all that thou hast commanded them to do. And that's really most of us as Christians. Most of the things that God has commanded us and asked us to do, we actually haven't done. Therefore, thou hast caused all of this evil to come upon them. Behold, the mounts, they are coming to this city to, to take it. And the city is given to the hand of the Chaldeans to fight against it because of the sword and the famine and the pestilence and what thou hast spoken. So he continues on and talking about everything that is going on in the land. Skip down to verse number 30. Or actually, ch chapter 33, sorry. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time after he had kind of continued talking about everything about God, his greatness, his goodness, his creation. Moreover, the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. It's a great verse on prayer and about prayer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You see, what Jeremiah re re remembered or realized is that Yes, God is faithful and just. Nothing is impossible for God. But also God is the God who redeems. We didn't read it, but in verse 44, it's a declaration implying that you can count on the things that God has established to happen. And it leads to one of the greatest verses on prayer in the Bible. Call unto me, I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What can we learn from this story? Well, there's several things, but I think first and foremost is that we have to bank on the promises of God. That he's never going to fail us, he's never going to forsake us. And the only way that God's promises can ever fail is if God ceases to be God, and that's impossible. 
You know, as Christians, we often doubt God's ability to accomplish things in our life. When things get uncomfortable, when things get out of our control, when things aren't going the way we want them to go, we begin to wonder, why isn't God giving me what I'm asking for? We'll answer that more in the next series. But Jeremiah is perplexed by God's request. He's perplexed by God's will. He needs a reset in his prayer, and he needs a reset in his worship. I think of Psalm 57.1 that says this, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. You know, sometimes what we need to do is hit the reset button, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's going on in our mind and the struggles, hit the reset button saying, God, there's nothing too hard for you. Help me to remember that. Help me to realize that you are in control. You know, I told you that this year, Lord willing, we're going to try to dive even deeper into identity, understanding who we are. Michael and I are reading a book right now. It's called The Truest Thing About You. And we're walking through it. And the last chapter that we had talked about was, it was entitled The Imago Dei, which means, what does it mean, Michael? The image of God. God. You know, our identity has to go back to understanding that we were made in the image of God. And I think sometimes we forget that. We forget the fact that we were made in his image. We forget the fact that we are just his image bearers. And that he is the creator of everything. You know, Genesis, as we had looked at in that book, is, is the engine. And one of the most important parts of any car is having an engine that works to help drive the car properly. Without the engine, the car is useless. Understanding that we are created in the image of God is the engine that should drive our identity and really should drive our reset. Understanding that we are in God's image. We are created in his image. And everything we do is about him. And the primary truth that I want us to understand even this morning is this, that our identity must begin at creation. To understand that we were made in the image of God. And really this sets everything up for the next several messages. This is what drives us to a reset. It helps us understand to stop, to reset, to understand that we were made in his image for his purposes. And I think Jeremiah had to get to that place in his life to understand that, you know what? I am not made for myself. I am made for God. I am made for his purposes, for his will, for his glory. Sometimes God is doing things that don't make sense. Sometimes God is asking us to do things that don't make sense. So what we need to do is stop, hit the reset button, say, you know what, God? Nothing's too hard for you. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense, but nothing is too hard for you. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand, but nothing is too hard for you. And I want you to understand, church, the purpose of a reset is to lead us to worship. Prayer that begins with praise as its goal will end in praise as its results. You see, we must start our prayer not always with questioning God. Is it wrong to question God? No. But most of the time, we continue in the questioning phase. We stay questioning God. God, why aren't you listening? Why aren't you answering my request? Why aren't you doing what I ask you to do? Well, maybe we should start our prayer praising God for who he is. And when we start with prayer and make prayer and praise the goal, praise will be the results. 
And that's what we see from Jeremiah in his life. And that's what we see from many in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. When they started praising God for who he is, instead of worrying about their circumstances, instead of worrying about their turmoil, when they started realizing that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that everything is centered around him, that we are his creation, that we are made in his image, that we are made for his purposes, that he has given us a commission, then some of those fears will kind of dissipate. They'll float away. And again, maybe this message felt like it was all over the place, but I want you to understand that instead of starting 2021 off in anxiety and worry and depression and disgust, why don't you start in praise? You know, we often do this in November. I'm going to have 30 days of praise, you know, 30 days of thanksgiving. Why don't you make 2021 your year of thanksgiving continually? Because if you always make it a year of thanksgiving and praise, then your priorities are going to be where they need to be. Your focus is going to be where it needs to be. And what I want you to understand I feel like I'm all over the place because there's so much in my mind right now. But what I want you to understand is that I want you to focus on praising God for who he is and realizing that there is nothing too hard for God. What doesn't make sense today, God will reveal in his time. And really, it feels like even in America right now, we're losing some of our freedoms and very well, we may be losing many of our freedoms But whether we do or not, he's still on the throne. He still cares about us deeply. And he's still giving us a purpose. He's still giving us a mission. And the mission isn't to shut ourselves up in our houses and do nothing like many of us have done in 2020. Well, I don't like what's going on, so I'm not going to do anything. Well, get over yourself. I don't like what's going on in my life half the time either. Because it's not about us. It's all about him. And instead of worrying about all the problems and the negative things in this world, why don't you start by remembering God, his greatness, his goodness. You see, that's what Jeremiah did. He started talking about all the things that God has done. That would be a great way to start your day. Really, it would. Make a list of all the things that you're thankful for, all the things that God is good and just and faithful at, all of the ways that God has been there in your life. Why don't you start your day that way? And then when all the things happen around you throughout the day, go back to that. Start by praising and you'll continue praising. Prayer that begins with praise or worship as its goal will end in praise as its result. Again, what I want from not just this message, but this is kind of an introductory message, but from this series is to stop, hit the reset button to lead us back to praise, to lead us back to worship, to lead us back to an understanding that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that there is nothing too hard for him. And church, that's what I want you to understand going forward. No matter what happens in the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming months, there is nothing too hard for God. Aren't you thankful for that? Maybe you're not, but I am. I'm thankful that nothing is too hard for God. What is difficult for me, what is something for me, is nothing for God. And what Jeremiah teaches us is the fact that even when things don't make sense, when they're confusing, when they're perplexing, 
Go back to God's goodness. Go back to God's faithfulness. Remember who he is, what he has done in your life, and focus on that. Focus on why you were created. For his purpose, for his glory, for his honor, and not, not your own. Heads bowed and eyes closed.